Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, happy Thanksgiving week to you. I was asked this by my partner on the SB Nation Monday Football Monday show, RJ Ochoa, so I'm going to throw the question to you. What is your favorite Uh non-turkey Thanksgiving food? Oh, ham. That's easy. Ham. Yeah. Ham. I was talking about like one of the trimmings. You so you have an additional you like the, the you have a ham as well as the turkey? Is that what you Yeah. Mean? Well, you know, my, okay. my mom used to make beef wellington to do something different than turkey. Whoa. And that was that was amazing. Did you but, add beef uh, wellington in lieu of the turkey? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is a stunner. Yeah. Stunned. And I don't know if I can do the rest of this podcast with you. I, this this is this is a <laughs> A development I was not expecting at the beginning of the well, show. Well, I'm not, I, you know, I, I like turkey, but I don't like it that well. But I, I love ham. So, you know, for it's yeah. pretty easy for me to make that distinction. Yeah. So Turkey always jumps out for me. So not expecting that answer from John Dixon. What I should have been expecting last night, of course, was deleting my entire game story in the <laughs> final three minutes of the game because the Chiefs and Chargers cannot not play. A close game, 30-27, to 27, and a stunning win for the Chiefs. The Chiefs stunned the Chargers. The Chargers, who really haven't been that good this year, of course, picked it up for the Chiefs. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were suddenly healthy miraculously before the game. Mike Williams, of course, only played a handful uh, of plays before he ended up having to go out. But Keenan Allen played the whole game, looked pretty good. And Allen and Herbert and Eckler and the Chargers – had the Chiefs on the ropes with less than two minutes to go. But then, of course, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey happened, John. And we know that this is a historic duo. I mean, I, I think it wasn't it's not like it was a question before, but just another exclamation point on two players who are very clearly going to be going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame at the end of their careers. Yeah, that's pretty obvious now. But, you know, what struck me about it was um another team uh, a touchdown to win the game with the minute 46 left is a big deal we've kind of become blase about it now <laughs> you know we the chiefs get the ball with you know 17 seconds remaining oh they can score <laughs> you know what? minute like, 46 whatever <laughs> you know what in kansas city in kansas city i think it's been known for a long time like you feel pretty good if mahomes is down 3 or 4 and yeah you have two timeouts and one minute and change to go. It's like, come on, that is a freaking eternity. I think what Mm -hmm. you've started to see last night is nationally, and this happened to Brady too, like nationally it's becoming expected that Mahomes is going to find a way to win. 
I mean, more times than not, right? Like it's just gonna. Yeah, I mean, right. Occasionally right. he'll lose, but it's almost more frequent that in those spots he finds a way to win the game, than lose the game. Of course, going to Travis Kelsey for the game-winning touchdown. Travis Kelsey has eleven touchdowns on the season. That matches his career high from twenty twenty. And the Chiefs have seven games left, so twenty touchdowns for Kelsey is very possible here. I think still on the table for this tandem is. MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. More on that in marinated takeaways a little bit later here. But, John, we always say it. If you write us a review on Apple iTunes, especially if you leave five stars, we will read it. We have one since last week, and this was from Rachel LW. The subject is Love the Pod. And then she writes, Great podcast. I appreciate all the interviews and the news that is shared. So there you go, John, from the podium. With Andy Reid coming up a little later, we will give you the highlights of Andy Reid right here. And Travis Kelsey was a, a topic of conversation, John, quite a bit in this Monday morning Zoom. And I, I think it was for good reason. Let's go to Andy Reid's quote on Travis Kelsey. And just at the age of 33, not really skipping a beat. Yeah, I know he, he made a cognizant effort uh, this year of coming back in great shape. He maintained that all the way through the off season and uh, into training camp. So I think that's helped him, especially for this year. Last year, he, he came in a little bit heavy and kind of worked through it. This year, he came in phenomenal shape. So Kelsey came into this, the training camp, quite obviously, in really, really good shape. And I think you're seeing the production that he's been able to have again at the the age of 33 i remember covering Derek johnson and johnson used to say each and every year you had to come in five pounds lighter to maintain mm-hmm. the age and, yeah. and the factors that go into it and, and it seems like kelsey followed that this time around john I'll, I'll let you comment on kelsey after the next quote from reed but peter king in his column today i'm, I'm just going to read the the excerpt history repeated itself sunday night at sofi unbelievably if you stayed up for the end of Kansas City's tense AFC West match against the Chargers, you saw Travis Kelsey down by four in the final minute of the game catch a shallow crossing round from Patrick Mahomes, run right to left across the formation, and take advantage of wideout Justin Watson muddling the middle of the field with a short route just in front of Kelsey. Kelsey ran upfield for the winning 17-yard touchdown. And then Kelsey, who was, I guess, talking to Peter King on the phone, said, funny thing is, we ran the same play to win the game last year. And Peter King wrote, whoa, wait, the same play. And then Kelsey wrote iconic. And he obviously was was very excited about it. If you remember last year in L.A., in the same type of game, it, that one was in overtime. Kelsey ran through all of the Chargers defense for the game-winning touchdown, a, a similar ending, an eerily similar ending, I think, against the Chargers. If you want to read the rest of Peter King's fantastic column, it's on NBCSports.com. It's pro football morning in America, uh, but some some more Chiefs nuggets throughout. I just wanted to bring that up. And Andy Reid was actually asked about the fact that they used the same play again on his Monday morning Zoom. Let's go to that quote. Yeah, um, I know Kelsey said that. Um, it, it, it really was. It was the same play. I mean, it was doctored up a little bit with some with, with the motion. But, you know, that combination – with Watson and Kelson there has been good since training camp uh, on the crossing route. Really, Watson's the primary on it, but it normally comes to number two on the shallow uh, cross there that, that Kels got. But uh, Watson's also a big part of that play and how he works inside. And he kind of creates a, a bit of a wall in there where the defender has to make, make up his mind. Is he going to go over or under it or 
how's he going to handle that? So normally it throws him off by a step. But yeah, but but to answer your question, yeah, I mean, it was basically the same play. So Andy Reid actually admitted it was the same play. I'm sure that Travis might get a phone call a little bit later uh, from from the head coach. But uh, another thing that that, he, that mentioned there, and I think that was hidden, is just the the player that Justin Watson has become. I mean, this was a free agent and just available to anyone, and just a sneaky good player. I asked Mahomes about Watson last week, and essentially he's like he's amazing. He knows everyone's position, and when you're missing two wide receivers of Juju Smith-Schuster and Michael Hardman, for a guy to be able to go in and do what Watson was able to do last night have that role on, on the game-winning play is something. But, John, back to Kelsey, what do you think? Is this the greatest tight end of all time? Is, should we we just forget about Rob Gronkowski and Tony Gonzalez? Where are you on, on that today? Well, I think I think Kelsey has a, a clear argument to be the greatest of all time. Statistically, he's still behind Gonzalez, but Gonzalez played for a very long time, mm-hmm. and I don't know if Kelsey's going to play that long. He could surprise us. You know, he could end up playing much longer than we expect and and surpass all of those counting stat records that Gonzalez has. But he's accomplished things that Gonzalez never dreamed of. And um, you can argue that that Kelsey wouldn't exist without Gonzalez. And I think that's fair. But, you know, uh, Harrison Bucker wouldn't exist without Jan Stenerud, but he still gets to be the guy he is today. So uh, I think it's fair to put him in that conversation as the best of all time, uh, even at this point. I, I do have a question, though, about this this play. Yeah, Wasn't this play in the overtime last year the one where uh, Mahomes and Kelsey said they were ad-libbing, where Mahomes was yelling out, you go, Kels? Wasn't that the play? No, I think you're getting confused with the 13 seconds. That was that was the. Oh, the thir- right. Okay. Yes. Yes. Right. Look, okay. There are so many wins. Of course, you I get know, the yeah, next step. I know. John. I, I can't <laughs> keep track of them all. As hard as I try. Okay. Well, then I have no. I have no problem with that. No, but you're right. Like, you're mistaking <laughs> that is is just a, a good example yes. of just the fact that these guys have had so many of these iconic moments mm-hmm. and, and just a tandem. You talk about the great tandems. We, you know, you mentioned Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, and what they were able to do for two separate teams. And and you know, you look at you know Peyton Manning and, and Marvin Harrison and just the great tandems that they, that exist in in NFL history. And this is certainly up there with with one of mm-hmm. them. I just I just yeah. think you know when it all goes down in history, as far as dynamic duo, duos in NFL history, it's almost like you got to have Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey in the mix. And what's wild about that is they still i think have some years to go here i don't think i don't think travis kelsey's in any rush to necessarily um retire or anything i you know mm. in talking to him in, in interviews that we've had even for arrowhead pride through sponsors and, and whatnot that's always been a question that i try to get in i it's like my status update of travis kelly you, you sure that you know you still want to and he's and he's just like <laughs> i want to play till i die essentially like he just doesn't want to <laughs> retire ever which is a good thing for kansas city and you know you talk about tony gonzalez played till 37 38 and so you're right yeah as far as offensively i think he does have some statistics some production to go to catch up to tony g mm-hmm. but yeah. it just feels a little bit more feasible now just because we haven't really seen the drop off and going back to that first quote from andy reed he's coming into camp shape and kind of understands the idea that he has to be in better and better shape as he ages if he's going to continue this thing. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, can't say enough uh, about Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. We could do an entire podcast on all the moments they've had and all the success that they've had. But we're going to continue to another tight end. And this was one of the better throws of Patrick Mahomes' career. I'm talking about Man, the throw yeah. down what was the right sideline, like, like type of, sort of a, a wheel route type of deal from Jody Fortson, where just right in stride with a defender on his back, hits Fortson, and all he had to do with and this was like looked like 30, 40 yards downfield, just put his arms out and and hit Fortson. and Andy Reid had some comments about that play. I did. Uh, no, that was a thing of beauty. That was a great throw, great catch. Jody was rolling. I mean, he was full stride, and he's got some, you know, some very long strides, uh, and he was full throttle there, and to be able to go down and, and get that the way he did, was, was it was beautiful. That's a big-time play by him, big-time throw by Patrick. Yeah, and and what impresses me about that is you would think that that type of play, timing-wise, would only be possible with Mahomes and his top targets, right? Not that Jody Fortson isn't a great player and maybe wouldn't be a starting tight end on another team, for example, but as far as pass-catching targets for Patrick Mahomes, he's probably in, in the lower end, and yet the timing there looked like it, it, it's his primary target. That's what impressed me the most on, on that play, John. Well, this is the thing. We've been led to believe that they had all this stuff down even before training camp started. But then, you know, you have a player who's out for a, a chunk of the season in Fortson, and uh, maybe it takes a little while to get that back. Um, it was an amazing play, though. I mean, I, I just was stunned. I, I thought I thought it was being intercepted. <laughs> right it looked <laughs> you, like it you got a like guy was, hanging all over him you know it was that tight you're yeah. right uh, it was and, crazy yeah and and i you know i just think it goes to show that 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 i guess player speak i should say that messaging that mahomes has been pumping since the beginning it's going to come from everywhere well mm -hmm. especially when there are injuries to several of your players it's going to have to come from everywhere and, and he's right. still continued to to do it just counting here quickly, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players were targeted. He hit seven players with receptions. We, of course, had some injuries within this game uh, where, you, you know, you lost a Clyde edwards Lair, and they leaned into Isaiah Pacheco. I'm sure we'll discuss a little bit more of that in, in the Meridated Takeaways, but just for Fortson to step up there. And Fortson's explosive. It's, it's almost a, and I, I mentioned it a, a second ago already, but it's almost a situation where, I bet Fortson would make a pretty good case to be the guy, like the Kelsey-like guy for another club. He just happens to be in Kansas City. Not a bad place to be, of course, but you just wonder what his ceiling would be on another team. On the third phase of the game, Andy Reid was asked about special teams. It was a better night for Harrison Butker, but still some room to grow for a young special teams unit. Here's Andy Reid. Yeah, they're, they're getting better. Um, there, there were a couple of hiccups last night, but but there were some good plays, too, I mean, in there that, that helped us with field position. So they'll, they'll, every rep they get, they're going to they're gonna get better. And we do have a lot, Matt, a lot of the young guys on, on the special teams. So there you go. Just the, the quote from Andy Reid, I, I think the, the play that sticks out like a sore thumb amid his breakout performance on offense was Isaiah Pacheco taking that that ball at, at the six yard line where you know i think a veteran special teamer probably puts one foot out of bounds and tries to catch it and but man that's an advanced play i don't know if you can necessarily blame him for that but it, i think your hope right now in kansas city special teams is there's a lot of young players you're out one of your key special teamers and chris lamont's 
but there's a lot of young players. You hope that by the playoffs, they have enough experience under their belt where these type of mistakes won't happen. You know, one of the things I've been been mulling over, and I, I guess I don't know, I don't watch enough college football to really know the answer to this, but it occurs to me that there probably aren't a lot of guys who come into the NFL with a lot of special teams experience because the guys who are being signed to NFL teams aren't being signed to NFL teams because they can play special teams, unless you're a field goal kicker or a long snapper, or, you know, unless you're a specialist, right? right? Most of these guys are guys who've been starters on offense and defense on these college teams that have 90 man rosters. Wouldn't the, those college teams use those, uh, the, those special team positions for those guys who are, you know, up there in the seventies or eighties on in the roster. Um, I'm wondering how often a player really comes to the NFL with significant special teams experience outside of those who return kicks. I think that's a place where you might see some starters get out there and get some special team snaps, but for yeah. positions like being a gunner or, you know, these things that, that Dave Tobe is always these positions that Dave Tobe is always talking about. I'm thinking a lot of these college players have never done anything like that uh, before they get to the NFL. Yeah, I, th I think that's a, a fair point. I also can compare it to something last week, and it's not exactly a one-for-one -one comparison, so, so you know, keep that in mind here. But Jarek McKinnon was a quarterback at Georgia, Georgia Southern, a little bit of mm -hmm. a different type of quarterback in the, in right. the triple option, but he right. never really had to worry about pass protection. And this is something that he admitted last week, and he's probably the best pass protector on the Chiefs when it comes to non-offensive linemen. Yep. And how did he get that way? By learning as a pro and his first running backs coach, I forget the name that, that he shared. I believe it was Kirby. Um, his first running backs coach said, you can last a long time in the league by, by you know, working with pass protection. And I, I think you can say the same thing about special teams. I think these guys that are on the right. fringe of the roster who really lean into the special teams, perfect example is Chris Lamont's who missed this game with a, a concussion protocol mm -hmm. can last in the NFL. The, the year that I think it was last year, right? The year that, Chris Lamont's made it as player number 53. We were, we did not see it coming, but he just was so important to them. Special teams wise. And they right. ended up, I believe putting, I, I can't remember the exact circumstances, but I believe it was Deandre Baker, maybe on the, the on the practice squad, as opposed to having him, it might've might been another player, but yeah, Lamont's got the nod over somebody that we thought was going to make it based upon their defensive ability. And look, you have to play special teams. And so it's important. And I think you're right. I think there is to an extent where, where some of these guys do have to learn, on the fly uh, as a pro I want to quickly, and this is a pivot here that I didn't have in the rundown, but I, I figured we should do it as uh, as we're going here. Let's just talk about the injuries that the Chiefs suffered last night. Andy Reed had four injury updates, no further update this morning on the zoom, but going through them, Clyde Edwards, Elaire had a high ankle sprain. Kadarius Tony had a hamstring issue, both not good for different reasons. Let's just get through them first. Uh, Juan Thornhill, had a left calf issue that he strained, left calf strain, and Jalen Watson hurt his hand. We've seen cornerbacks play with hurt hands in the future. Sure. Uh, yeah. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the past. Kendall Fuller, for example, we don't know the extent of it yet. We'll have more information once this first injury report for the Rams game comes out on Wednesday. These first three don't seem good. And I'll go through just quick, quickly reasons why. Clyde edwards high ankle sprain, that's four to six weeks. They're already mm -hmm. admitting it's a high angle yeah. sprain. Andy, Andy Reid went further to, to say it doesn't look good. It seemed like they're going to run tests this week, early this week. But I 
tend to believe this is going to be another injured reserve stint for Clyde Edwards-Elair. Kadarius Tony and the hamstring, that is not good either because this has been a lingering problem before he got to the Chiefs in New York. And man, it, it looked like last week that he was about to be a key player for the Chiefs down right. the stretch. And now I think it's up in the air. The thing that worries me about Thornhill was just how quick the Chiefs ruled him out. He was qu- questionable for like no more than a minute. And then all of a sudden he was mm-hmm. out, which means I think initially the Chiefs thought he could return. And then something happened with the trainers where they said, nah, you know, we're going to we're going to not play him here. Um, granted, I think it, it helps. That the, it's, it's crazy to be saying this about the Super Bowl champs, but it helps that the Chiefs are playing the Rams next week because they have just been looked so, so, so disappointing. So if you're going to ease Brian Cook in, it, it's it, it's <laughs> but it's a a bad team who actually happens to be the reigning Super Bowl <laughs> champions, which is just a very yeah. odd phenomenon yeah. to say. Um, so, but again, I, you know, I, 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 this is just my gut. You know, we don't, well, we're going to get more information as the week goes along, but I don't think we're going to see Clyde for a while. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about Tony. I, I imagine because of how good Tony looked in his, in his stint here, they're going to shut him down and be careful with the hamstring because you need him for the playoffs but then you also hope that that juju's okay and can return this week like there's a lot of pieces to this thing uh, you have anything on the this injury situation john well it's occurred to me today this is one of the things i considered for a marinated takeaway but i'll go ahead and throw it in here um Cla- classic yeah classic yeah yeah uh one of the things that's occurred to me is this may be it for clyde edwards alaire i yeah. mean i i think it's an i, I think it's too bad that he was selected in the first round, which gave him gave people high expectations for him um, that were difficult for him to meet because they were just high. I mean, that's yeah. how people feel about first round picks. They feel like they should be immediate star players. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and it hasn't worked out that way. I think people have expected more from him than they really should have. And. And he hasn't really played that well. I mean, there's flashes where he's been pretty good. Um, I noticed the other day I looked up some numbers. He's actually been pretty good as a pass catcher. They just haven't used him very much in that role. But, you know, the number one ability is availability. And, you know, this is another season where he's missing significant time. And I I think that putting aside all the other other arguments there are about Edward Zillaire, you have to wonder if the Chiefs are going to go. You know, we just can't depend on this guy. We want. I want before I make this point. Like, you want every player to be healthy, sure. And 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 the fact that that he got injured, it, you know, it, it created a circumstances last night where the Chiefs had to go to Pacheco, mm-hmm. and and for the full what would be early down load. If you notice at the beginning of the game, they were going to rotate these guys all game. Right. They were. And I, and I, and I see this with Andy Reid sometimes. My guy does not love when the media or fans tries to start to dictate what, what they're supposed to be doing. And he always goes, (laughs) he wouldn't, he would never admit this, but he always goes the opposite. And I, I called it with my friends because everyone loves fantasy football and you're wondering who's going to play it. I said, I bet you tonight it's going to be somewhat of a Clyde night because I I think they want to prove that Clyde is worthy of, of these touches. And then very quickly he gets the the high ankle sprain and Pacheco gets the carrot, which and and again, no one is rooting for injuries. No one wants to see injuries, but that's what they should be doing anyway. But Isaiah Pacheco needs to be touching the ball fourteen or fifteen times uh, a, a game. And you saw the results of that. He had his first one hundred yard night. He had that special teams gaffe, but just very clearly 
one one of the better early down backs maybe in the NFL. And so I, I think the Chiefs realized that, and, and it was in an unfortunate circumstance that they had to. And to your point, John, about this maybe being it for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, we know for a fact, we can say it with 100% certainty, the Chiefs are not picking up his fifth-year option. Yeah, and at with, this point, I'd I think, say so, yeah. yeah. I think with the way the year has gone, you see some of these tweets from Edwards-Alaire, you could tell that it's it's been a difficult year, and now he has the injury. Man, it just feels like a prime candidate for someone who could use a fresh start somewhere else. Like we saw what can happen with Tony before he was injured in coming somewhere new. He openly said through two games he felt more at home in Kansas City than he ever did in New York. Because of injuries and otherwise, I bet you Clyde, to an extent, feels the same way. And you wonder if there's a move to be made with Clyde in this offseason, even though he does have that last year where maybe the Chiefs are able to get a conditional late round pick. We see this sometimes with the chiefs where I think they understand what the player is feeling in a way. And, and sometimes they do the player a favor and, and say, like, Let, let's have you go succeed elsewhere. I, I think that was part of the, the reason that they moved Rashad Fenton to Atlanta. They felt like he could do something for them and, you know, maybe get some value back, maybe get some cap space back. But at the same time, they are thinking of the player. So I'm with you. It, it feels like prime candidate for a change of scenery. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's too bad because I think he's, I think you know when Eric Bieniemy is always raving about uh, his, you know that he's a quality person, he's a hard worker, and he's a total professional. I believe all of that, you know, and I think that in different circumstances, maybe on a different team, he might have been a very effective player. Even if he was taken in the first round, he might have, you know, held up to those expectations, but. With the Chiefs, he just didn't. I they I think he was a, a player that they, that didn't really fit for them, and I don't think they really saw that until it was too late. But um, you know, my, my, these I'll things happen. Again, on the field only. My greatest fear now, I'll tell you what it is. It's Rojo getting called up, and them them continuing to split the carries with Pacheco. It, they need to they need to just play Pacheco. <laughs> it's just so clear. They need to be giving him 10 to 20 carries a game. And I think the whole offense tends to tick better. Maybe that's more of a marinade mm-hmm. takeaway than a segment one thing, but I don't care. Look, you get a bonus one for both of us then. How about that? All right. Uh, <laughs> we got through Andy Reid. As we kind of described already, coming up next is our world-famous marinated takeaways from the Chiefs and Chargers. You're listening to the Airhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
Well, I'm gonna let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt, react, readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, and you know what time it is. It's time for our world-famous marinated takeaways, only here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Steve, I've never thought about this, but maybe it's something we, we got to talk about after the show off air. We got to get some kind of steak company to back the marinated <laughs> takeaways. I mean, it just seems like writing on the wall. We've been doing this, what, for two or three years now? How, how have we not had a, a marination steak type of, uh, of a sponsor for this thing? So we'll, we'll work on that. But let's get to the marinated takeaways from this thriller, another one in L.A. It seems like there's always thrillers between the Chiefs and the Chargers. And John will, as we do every week, go to you first. What is your first marinated takeaway from this game? I am continue to be struck. I think I addressed this last week as well. But I, I continue to be struck by how well the defense seems to be playing. But they're not putting up stats that reflect that. And this is, you know, I'm kind of a believer in stats. You know, I, I think stats are a thing that helps you be honest about your observations and stuff. I'm not saying that you can't, you know, use your eye test to tell you more. That's that's a part of it, too. I think you have to have an eye test and you have to pay attention to stats. But in this case, um, the defense just seems to be better than the numbers really show them to be. I mean, they're down in the the low 20s and points allowed and. Uh, even worse than that, I think, in yards allowed now. Uh, and, and that's across the board on most of the, the useful defensive statistics, uh, the couple of exceptions being sacks and um, uh, passer rating, where they're uh, really good and really bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but they keep making plays in key right. moments. And um, and and getting the opposing team off the field at exactly the right moment when it matters the most. I think we saw that yesterday once again, where they don't look very good in the beginning of the game, and you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, you know what are we? Oh, this is going to be awful." And then in the second half, they figure it out and start, you know, putting the opposing team back on the sideline after a few plays. And it's just not borne out in the statistics. And I, I, I you said, I, I think I heard you say this on the TV last night after the game, that you think this might be the best Spagnolo defense. And I think you might be right. You just can't measure it very easily. And it's kind of frustrating. No, I'm, I'm with you. And as you were making your point, I, I pulled up the, the schedule. And in some of the dominating performances the Chiefs have had this year, you had the other team scoring in the 20s. Arizona mm-hmm. Cardinals, mm-hmm. 44 to 21. The Chiefs never were, were a question in that game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 41 to 31. The Chiefs were never a question in that game. San Francisco 49ers was close at the beginning, but it ended up being right, a blowout, right. 44 mm-hmm. to 23. So even in these dominating performances, you're hitting that low 20 mark, which which certainly impacts the numbers. My first marinated takeaway has to do with the defense, too, and it, and it fits nicely with yours. I just think what's been impressive is they're really making timely plays. And this mm-hmm. has been a more of a recent stretch type of deal. Chris Jones, Micah Parsons is doing what he's doing and no one's touching Micah Parsons right now, but Chris Jones is for sure one of the top five defensive players in the NFL. And he is putting together a year. We had questions as to whether the chiefs would keep that cap hit next year. I think it's starting to become more and more clear that they'll be happy to, to take any cap hit, or maybe there's a slight extension in the mm-hmm. work where you could lower it a little bit, but he certainly 
is is not falling off at all, and they need to make Chris Jones a, a priority. Nick Bolton has become really, really important and good for this team, both from a, I think, setting all these young players up standpoint to making big plays like he did. He should have clinched the game on a sports fumble had it not been for Jarek McKinnon and then is able to get that tip drill pick to seal the deal, mm-hmm. not to say that there was a threat. But this is still Justin Herbert who made quite a throw early in the game. You never know yes. what can happen. So key interception by Nick Bolton, Willie Gay with, with an untouched sack. And, John, you were saying, oh, you know, there's not a, a ton of, of stats out there. Well, I was able to pull one, and this is from a, a long-time listener of the editor show, happens to be a, a friend of a friend, he, and he, he texted me this. Kevin, he said, well, they have 31 sacks through nine games in 2022. They had 31 all of last year through Right. Seven. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the pressure on the quarterback has been there and so thank you to thank you to kevin a a fan and listener of the show uh for that stat but that's that's pretty impressive and a lot has to do with chris jones and i I think sometimes we're we do question the defensive line but i think the defensive line has looked as good as it has mike dana last night was another player who really has for whatever reason herbert's number where most of of his career sacks i believe it's been four now have come against herbert and I, I think it was a nice development to see that Dana is starting to feel healthy after missing a handful of games mm-hmm. due to that cat yeah. injury as well. So there are some hidden numbers, but you're right. It, as far as what you look at as far as points per game and yards per game, the Chiefs are in the middle of the pack. But I, I just think because of how young the unit is as a whole and the fact that the defense is playing a big role in winning some of these close games, that's where my energy comes from calling it Spag's best effort since taking over since 2019. Right. All right. What's your next marinated takeaway? Um, Harrison Butker is back. The guy's back. Butker's <laughs> back. I mean, you know, there's Butker's always a possibility that than ever for Christmas yeah, this year. Yeah. Uh, we can always be wrong about this. And, and obviously he had problems before he was injured with extra points and what all, but uh, he sure looked good last night. Everything was right down the middle. There didn't seem to be any question about his ability to make those kicks last night. And he made every one of them. And uh, thank goodness that was not something I was going to be looking forward to dealing with over the last weeks of the season uh, and well, particularly in the postseason. So this is excellent news. He told us in the locker room not too long ago that he wasn't 100 percent. He looked 100 mm-hmm. percent last night. Yeah. And I, not to say that you can really learn a ton from body language, but even early as he was lining up for the kick, he just looked a little bit more confident. I don't know mm-hmm. if I am curious to go in the locker room this week and be like, now you're feeling 100%, right? Because he really looked it for the first time last night. And when Butker's 100%, he's one of the better kickers in the NFL. I think maybe just his body hasn't been right for a long time this season. And and you're finally, I think, starting to see that that take place. But it, it was, I think it was key for him to have a 33-yarder early because not only is that a field goal and not an extra point, it's the distance of an extra point. So you kind of accomplish right. everything <laughs> in one shot where you can, you can get, I, I think, your your confidence under you a little bit in, in a very key game. And then also too, you, you know, you think about this, this game came down to three points. If Butker doesn't make the kicks that he made, he had a 33 yarder in the first quarter, a 54 yarder in the first quarter, or I'm sorry, 52. He had a, a 30 yarder in, in the third quarter. And then he made all of his extra points. If, if Butker isn't on, you lose this, this football game. And so, yeah. um, yeah, I agree with you. I, th- I think that was big to see. Okay, I just have a, my, my next one is a little negative, 
great night for the cool. Chiefs, but th- this isn't a negative one. And I promise you, my third one is not negative. But so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, this will be balanced out eventually. You would have expected Marquez Valdez Scantling to be a little bit more important last night, and he has had some games, but. I think he was billed coming into the season as, well, now in Kansas City, we're going to see that he's an all-around receiver. And to me, he's just looked like a lot like what we've seen in Green Bay, which was mm-hmm. sort of invisible. And then all of a sudden, maybe he'll make a big-time chunk play, but really hasn't been the guy that was getting advertised us to us in, in training camp in the preseason. And this was set up perfectly for him when you talk about as when you talk about a, a, a spot start in, in the sense where there's going to be more targets. You didn't have Nicole Hardman. You didn't have Juju Smith-Schuster. You lost Kadarius Tony early. Your pat one of your pass catching backs that like to pass and, and dink and dunk with Clyde Rizalaire also went down. Mm-hmm. Instead of Marquez Valdez Scantling really being a factor, it was more of a Sky Moore mini breakout. It was Justin mm-hmm. Watson who apparently knows every position on the field. That was the more important player. <clears throat> and you're looking at the salaries and you're like, well, Watson's not even making that, this much money. You know, Moore's not really making this much money. Not to say that it's killing the Chiefs as far as you know, their production as a whole and the, the offense as a whole. But for what they brought him in here for and, and what, what they paid him for, I don't, I don't know if they're getting necessarily a, a proper return on, on their investment. Now, there's a lot of season left. And it, sometimes it takes guys a little bit longer to get in sync with the quarterback than, than others. But I, I think it's fair to say it's been slightly disappointing for what has transpired with MVS so far. Well, in fairness, I think you have to say that part of the problem that MVS had in green Bay was being on the same team with Devontae Adams. And he sort of has that problem here. Any wide receiver on this team is going to be in Travis Kelsey's shadow. That's fair. And, and, and he's also going to be in Juju Smith Schuster's shadow to some extent. He's Smith Schuster has, you know, stepped up to be the guy for the chiefs. Now, you know, could Valdez Scantling have been the guy to step up? Sure. He could have, and he didn't. So ultimately you have to, you know, make him take responsibility for that. But I agree with you that it's been disappointing. And I and I was also surprised last night that under the circumstances that existed in yesterday's game, uh, we didn't see more of him because I thought we would. I thought just like you, I thought, well, this would be an opportunity for him to show that if he doesn't have to compete with another receiver for the targets, that he can be the guy. And we just we just haven't really seen that. I mean, the good news is, you know, they're paying him a lot of money. (laughs) <laughs> but the good news is that they can walk away from him pretty easily after this season. And um, so I would be... off to, to Brett you know, Beach for making that deal. <laughs> yeah, especially if Kadarius Tony can come back from this injury and right. look real, really good. Right. I don't know if you're paying MBS that money if you can get away from it. Just because right. it just... This, this is what it is. It just feels very replaceable right now for, yeah. for cheaper. He has had the one... 111 yard game against the 49ers, but everything else has been, I'm looking quickly here, 90 or under. And if you take away that Raiders game where he had 90, it's, it's like 63 yards or under. Last night he finished with four targets and only caught the one pass for for 18 yards. So we'll see. A lot of season left for MVS, but I sure. think, it, I think sure. it has been disappointing. All right, let's go to your final marinated takeaway. 
Well, I, I, I apparently managed to cover two of them in, at one time here, but uh, I would just like to point out that the, one of the things that I've found interesting about this season is that because the team didn't go out and get a free agent uh, edge rusher in the offseason, people's expectations have been that the defensive line was going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. But here we are in the last two weeks, the defensive line has picked up five sacks in these two games. They have 32 on the season, which is tied for fourth in the league with, I think, four other teams. And that's a big turnaround from what we saw last season. Yeah. And I, I think it might be time to readjust what we see, what we think is going on. Uh, with the defensive line, I, I saw a lot of people last night complaining about the lack of pressure that the defensive line was getting. But five sacks isn't the, isn't the stat you see in the box score for a, a defensive line that isn't getting any pressure. So I think the, maybe they, had, they some, registered 10, 10 quarterback hits. And I, I yeah. imagine once the PFF numbers come out, they might be out already. But once they come out, I mean, I'm sure the pressures are going to be. In the, in the range of 20 i would guess mm-hmm. i felt like yeah. I, I felt like herbert wasn't comfortable i felt right. the I, I felt the opposite and you know i think i think fans of the chiefs are they become properly greedy this is now a super bowl yeah right. you want to see right. you want to see every aspect of the team being <laughs> really good but i think what sometimes is forgotten in that is that herbert is pretty good so right you could, right. You could be pressuring him and he could still make you know pretty sure. damn good throw Speaking of Mahomes does it all the time. That's right. Yes. A defense can play well against Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes can score 30, 30 on you. Like that's, there are other quarterbacks that can do that. So I think that's helpful to remember. Um, my final marinade takeaway actually has to do with Patrick Mahomes and really the chiefs as a whole. Two things are over after last night's game, pending health, knock on wood, not trying to jinx anything. So I've said it. Patrick Mahomes is going to win the MVP. No one, no one is close in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He, we woke up this morning and odds are becoming more commonplace because sports betting is legal in Kansas now. So a lot more people understand them. Every other candidate to win MVP has plus money right now. Patrick Mahomes, as of this morning, when I checked, was minus 150, which is wild. That means you have to spend $150 to win 100 on Patrick Mahomes. That's how confident the DraftKings Sportsbook, our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, are that Patrick Mahomes is going to win the MVP. Because he's played this well and has been so good against the division, that was another thing that was out there last night. Thirteen and zero on the road division games. No, no home crowd has seen Mahomes beat beat the division team, which is nuts to say. Uh, he's clinched the division before Thanksgiving, and you know you talk about the edge rushers in free agency, and we saw how much the Denver Broncos spent on a quarterback that is terrible. We saw the L.A. Chargers make some moves in free agency. We saw Chandler Jones, for example, go to the Las Vegas Raiders. All these moves, all this money spent to try to find a way to beat the Chiefs, and the division is over before Thanksgiving. It's mm-hmm. over before Thanksgiving, and I, I don't care that you might think I'm I'm not jinxing that. What is it? We just said, John, like you said, going into this game, it was 97%. Uh, yeah, that, something like that. Yeah, I haven't looked it up today. I need to get into that yet this so, afternoon. Right. So, so something, it would take a, a miracle, you know, at this stage for a, a, a team to win the AFC West, which means they're going to win seven in a row, which after dealing with the reign of terror of Peyton Manning is actually mm-hmm. now longer than that. So right. I, I, don't, I just think that what a, what a time to, to be a Chiefs fan. And should Patrick Mahomes continue at a steady pace here, two to three touchdowns a game, which I think, you know, the 300 yard, two to 300 yards a game, he's, he's going to win the MVP because I don't think Tua and, and Jalen Hurts and now even Josh Allen has fallen off quite a bit. 
are, are going to be able to catch him. It's going to be a second MVP award. And, and I tweeted that out this morning and a fan got in my mentions and said, Patrick Mahomes doesn't care about MVPs. He cares about rings. Fine. Probably true. The MVP sure. awards yeah. don't hurt either though. I mean, come on. Right. It's, it's right. cool that you have the MVP quarterback. And so clearly like this year's to me also too, the thing that I, I like about it, it's, it's just so clear at this stage. Now, could someone catch up and make it interesting? I think there is a, some of a, somewhat of a Mahomes fatigue. I, I think a lot of the voters will, would like to see another candidate emerge, but I, I tend to think it's over and that's my, my that's my third and final marinated takeaway from this game. Well, I wonder how much, I wonder if the voters for the MVP award might tend to push back when, you know, the odds are saying that a particular player is, is, you know, a shoe in to win the F MVP. Cause you know, they, these are guys that have their own agendas about things Especially if and, they bet on it themselves, you know? Yeah, well, that could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but it, you know, if I were in that position, I'd get a little torqued off with the, the casinos and the, and the odds yeah. makers, you know, acting like they know what's going on. It's like, dude, I'm voting, not you. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not voter like it's, a, 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 it's not like it's a, a public vote or anything, you know, where, right. where it's, it's a poll that's being taken on an 800 number during the voice, you know? <laughs> so, no, right. um, so I wonder, you know, how that could end up playing out and whether, you know, maybe there is some Mahomes fatigue among the voters, but on the other hand, He's making such a strong case. I think yeah. last night's game, I think, was a was a really strong uh, case for Mahomes. Because, you know, early in the game, he wasn't playing all that well. At one point, no. he had about a 50% completion rate, uh, rate. And I think at one point, the, his passer rate was like uh, 80 or something, which is really low for him. And um, so, you know. Uh, That's why you don't shut off Chiefs games in the first quarter, yeah, because the, de the, right. defense looked, the defense looked horrible. And right. Travis and Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes were actually not playing well together, which is really yeah. rare. You saw a couple of miscues from these guys, and then what happened? The defense looked pretty good by the end of the game, and Mahomes and, and Kelsey called game in L.A. again. A 30-27 to win over the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chiefs improved to 8-2. and two. The Chargers dropped to 5-5. Five and five. The Chiefs now have a three-game lead ahead of the division as we enter the Thanksgiving holiday. Those are your marinated takeaways for this week. When we come back, we will do a headline roundup. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we are wrapping up the show as we do each and every week with a headline roundup of what happened in Chiefs news heading into this Chargers game. We'll go through our comments on the stories. I want to bring up something that we got from Andy Reid this morning, John, and it has to do with Lucas Niang who mm -hmm. we have discussed now for weeks, the Chiefs have to make a decision by this Wednesday to activate him to the roster. And we tend to think that that will happen just because mm -hmm. uh, they, they wouldn't start practicing him. They didn't feel like they, they would want him on the active roster. They could have left him on PUP. These were the words from Andy Reid, who also said that he will have a discussion with Brett Beach, but this is what he said. The Yang's made some nice progress over the last couple of weeks. I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you he'd be the starter, but I think he's ready to get in probably the two deep. We'll have to talk to the kid too. So they're going to talk to him about how he feels. But Andy Reid being pretty clear that Andrew's Andrew Wiley's job, at least right now, is not in jeopardy. That would be the only position that I think you could really see Niang enter of this offensive line. 
I agree with that. And I, I think one of the things we always have to point out in this scenario, and it seems like I say this all the time, the Chiefs love Andrew Wiley. Okay, let's just start with that, is that they believe in this this young man, and maybe he doesn't deserve it, but, and, you know, I, I get why people want to look at that and go, well, that means they're idiots. Well, yeah, but, you know, they know him in a way that we don't know him, and they love mm -hmm. this kid, and it's going to take a lot to get him off the field, I think. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, they got to put their best people out there and, and maybe Niang could be that guy. Yeah. I, I think, you know, as I'm looking at the, the active roster tend to think the guy that'll come down is Jaron Christian because mm -hmm. in a, in an ideal world, say there was a way to protect, maybe it would be canard, but I, I, I don't think they want to risk losing canard to, a waiver considering he's a recent draft pick. And so Jaron Christian feels like the guy that would come off for a Niang. They also have the Clyde situation when we tend to think right. he's going to go to IR, but how does Rojo factor in? Do the chiefs continue to dip into even further running back depth? I know that for example, the Denver Broncos waived Melvin Gordon today and the chiefs have been involved in maybe trying to claim a guy like Eno Benjamin. So that would make you, think that maybe melvin gordon would be a guy that they would try to claim they also have wayne gallman on the practice squad as well as jerry and ely back in the mix off of that suspension so has there ever been a guy who's played in every team in a division before because if the chief if melvin gordon came to kansas city he'd be three or four right right i i can't think of anyone that's a that's a good <laughs> question maybe ryan fitzpatrick ryan yeah, fitzpatrick yeah. plays buffalo bills Matt Castle, would he be, he'd be, a, he's had enough teams that he might've done that. Did Ryan, no, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think played for three of four too. He played for, I believe it was the, the, uh, commanders. I think it was the dolphins and the bills, but I don't think he played for new England. I don't know. It's a good question. I'm sure there is somebody I would love. To, I, I'm going to look that up when we're done. <laughs> we'll come back next week. Tune in next week for the answer. Do anyone play in all four teams? Uh, yeah. So we'll see. Niang. I, I expect him to be, to be on the active roster this week. All right. The Chiefs played placed wide receiver McCole Hardman on injured reserve. John, this has been like a little bit of a weird deal. And at first it was an abdomen injury. Then it was an illness to his abdomen. Mm -hmm. Obviously something yeah. odd going out with, with, with McCole because it's going to end up costing him five games here and to be clear we tried to get some kind of clarity from the chiefs but it seems like they want to keep whatever is going on with hardman quiet we just know that as of right now he'll miss the next three games at least well you know i think it's important to remember that teams don't have to give us much detail right. you know they're required to give a basically a one word description of what's ailing a player for the injury reports but that's all they're required to do and if the team doesn't want to go into detail, or especially the player doesn't want to go into detail, then we're just not going to find out about it. They're just not mm -hmm. going to tell us. Yeah. And so, and I and I made this point with some people um, yesterday, I think it was sometime in the last couple of days, that this is kind of what's a problem. Because if you don't give the information out, if you're a team and you don't tell people what's going on with the player, as long as it's okay with the player, then you're just opening things up for speculation that can be really wrong, you know, yeah. and you get people who aren't doctors saying, well, I think this is what it's what it is. <laughs> and pretty soon, you know, you've got this narrative going around that, 
you know, uh, for example, Frank Clark has Crohn's disease. Now, I don't know, maybe he does, but because right. we don't know exactly what's going on, there's it's just it's just inevitable that there's going to be speculation about it. I wish teams would would factor this into their calculations about when they give information and how much information they give, because if they don't, all that's going to happen is people are going to come up with the what might or probably would be the wrong answer about it. Yeah. So, well, anyway, we hope, we hope Hardman recovers fast from whatever he's going through. The one thing the Chiefs did say is they don't think it's whatever's going on the season ending. So we'll see. Yeah. A couple yeah. games here before we have to see what, what the Chiefs end up doing with Hardman. Because of Hardman and because of Juju Smith-Schuster being injured with the concussion issue, the Chiefs began their week with a depleted wide receiver room, ended up figuring it out because they leaned into Travis Kelsey and all that he does with the three touchdowns on Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs ended up calling two receivers from the practice squad in Marcus Kemp and Cornell Powell to, to play in the game. Remember, Cornell Powell was that 2021 fifth-round pick and it, it just was in a, a limited role on Sunday night. We didn't really see a, a ton from these guys. We know that the Chiefs really like Marcus Kemp on special teams. Worth noting, I think, John, the only really th- the thing that stands out from that is that Chiefs have now used all of their call-ups on Marcus Kemp. Mm-hmm. You're allowed three of them. So if they want Kemp again, and we know Dave Tobe loves him some Marcus Kemp, they're going to have to add him to the active roster. Right. Well, and then there's another question about who do you take off the roster to take his place to, for him to have a spot to come on. But you're right. Uh, unless there's some way they can manipulate this, then we don't actually know about. Uh, they're done. Red Beach, on the game. <laughs> Red Beach yeah. surprises me, though, sometimes. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. I didn't even know that existed. What? The yeah. what clause? <laughs> come on. No. What? All right. Uh, Eric Bianami said that despite Pacheco's success, the Chiefs will play the hot hand at running back. Their hand was forced to playing the hot hand mm-hmm. last night, and we saw what happened with Isaiah Pacheco. 15 carries for 107 yards. That's 7.1 yards per carry. And the, the thing that stood out, and I, I know I talked about Pacheco before, but I want to add this too. He seems like one of these players that gets better as the game goes along, and he can only be that if they they go with him. you know. And so... Even if Clyde goes to IR, like I said, my fear is Ronald Jones getting some carries, and I just I just hope they maybe lean into Pacheco as an early down bell cow. I know McKinnon fumbled, but he needs to be in the game as that third down pass. You saw Isaiah Pacheco get run over by Derwin James last night as well. Yeah, that was so bad. You need, you need McKinnon to, to be that guy. But as far as running the football on early downs, I mean, the riding is so much on the wall at this point, in my opinion. Well, they're going to have to bring Ronald Jones up. They're not going to go into any games with just two running backs. No, he's on the he's roster. he's so John. He's on the fifty-three. They just have been not active. Well, right. I mean, they're going to they're going to make him active for a game. Yes, That's correct. What, what I mean to be saying is yeah, that, yeah. that 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 they're that he's going to get an opportunity to be Agreed. out there and be dressed no, to play. I don't um, think he, I don't think he should be inactive. What I'm saying is, yeah. he needs to be active just in case there's an injury to Pacheco. Right, what I'm saying right. is, even if you activate him. Like, I don't think he should be getting what Clyde Edwards E. Lair would have gotten had he had he stayed healthy. I don't know. That's just yeah. where I'm at. All well, right. uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I don't coach the team. Let's yeah, talk about right. it. Let's talk about that. the team. Yeah. yeah. I wish. How cool would that be? Yeah. Yeah. Pacheco, get out there. That's what I would say. All right. 
Uh, Ronald, or not Ronald Jones, uh, Orlando Brown won the NFLPA Week 11 Community MVP, which is really cool. Just wanted to mention it quickly here. He, he's funding it for a cause close to home. He donated 15000 to Type 1 Diabetes Research after losing his father and watching his little brother live with it. And so uh, also from the NFLPA, the Chiefs offensive linemen have spent time with patients on multiple occasions. So congratulations to Orlando Brown for winning the Community MVP off the field. John Colin Saunders development has impressed the chiefs coaching staff, Colin Saunders and what he has become. Um, the U S United States just scored peek behind the curtain. We're watching the world cup as this is going on. So congrats to the United States who scored in the 35 minute back to back to Colin Saunders. I'm, I'm very distracted by the world cup back to Colin Saunders. This has been a nice development for the chiefs, especially with Turk Wharton out. The fact that Colin Saunders has been able to step in and he takes so much pride in, in stopping the run and the chiefs have needed this for a while. Um, for the most part, I think they've done a nice job defending the run this year. And Saunders made the comment that he's not all about sack nation. He's about run nation. And if they're going to run the football, it's going to be through him. So uh, that's going to be another interesting case. I don't know what you end up doing with Saunders this year. I, I, I hope it's something like that DeMarcus Robinson type of contract where maybe you can get him for a little bit of a, a discount. But it remains to be seen what happens with Saunders. But I think you got to try to keep him for, ne- for next year after what we've seen this year. Well, it's unfortunate in his case that he's had to deal with injuries so much during his career. We've never really had a full season with him where he'd be in a position that he could develop. But I also think, you know, based on what he said, that he actually uh, took the right approach this year to come back in healthy and in shape. Um, And I think it's made a difference in his ability to play. And I think he's another guy who's really been influenced by Joe Cullen. I, I think this this Cullen hire may end up being one of the things that we look back on and say, you know, this really made a big difference for the team. Right. Brent, moving Brendan Daly to linebackers coach. It Again, this is a little bit of speculation. You're kind of always just learning from the outside looking in, but the comments that some of these linemen have made about mm-hmm. Joe Cullen, yeah. and I'm not trying to say that, you know, anything about Brendan Daly, but it just seems like it was a welcome change. And, it, and it's... yeah led to, as we described earlier, the, matching the sack total through half the year that you had all of last year. So uh, We have talked about this already. It's time to say the Chiefs special teams needs to be better. We've discussed this on multiple shows now. I think everybody knows that. I think it was nice to see Harrison Butker have a clean sheet. And I think as time goes on, these guys will get better and better. Uh, Sky Moore got put back in at punt returner last night after Kadarius Tony mm-hmm. went down and I guess I, I can make this point cause we haven't touched upon this, but in sky Moore's offensive breakout, which was necessary five catches for 63 yards. You could tell in the celebration that maybe he's been reading the internet a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. I think, <laughs> I think it became pretty clear that, that he had something to prove and, and he felt like he was coming through for the chiefs last night. Well, more power to him, you know, uh, players always say that they don't pay attention, particularly coaches say they don't pay attention, but you know, we know they do. I mean, Andrew, Andy Reed always knows this stuff. Even when he says he doesn't, he knows what's what people are saying. He's got a clue. He yeah. may not be all into it, but you know, people are telling him what's going on. And um, so I think that's great that he gets an opportunity to, to maybe silence some of those detractors a little bit. Um, I'm sure it's hard to be an NFL player and have pe- people treat you as if you're just a, a, a picture on a piece of paper, that you're not a real person. So I'm glad that he got an opportunity to show, yeah, I can really play this game. 
continuing with the headlines, Carlos Dunlap was it was a story last week. He finally joined the 100 sack club. This was one of his goals on the year. The thing that I love about this the most, and shout out to to Steve behind the the curtain here because Steve loves him some some Carlos Dunlap and how he speaks to the media. A lot of time nowadays, you'll ask a player about an accolade. And Travis Kelsey broke one last night where he's had the most 100-yard games as a tight end ever. And if I were to ask Travis Kelsey, especially when he's at the podium, well, how does it feel to have this record? Travis, and kudos to him, would go, uh, you know, I care about team wins. and It's yeah, all about Pat Mahomes. Right. I'm lucky to be with Pat Mahomes. <laughs> Carlos Dunlap stands at the podium and goes, yeah, I really wanted this record. I mean, I, I this was something I was thinking about the whole year. So... I like the my dad. <laughs> His late father. It's a really cool story. We have it up on AreaPride.com if you want to know more information. But I just like love that part about it. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, man, I wanted this. And then I, I asked him about, you know, winning a playoff game because he had all those years with the Bengals where he lost a, a lot of playoff games and never has won. And he told me that, uh, I don't know if, if you listened to this, John, but it was after last game at, at Arrowhead. But he, he, he said, you know, me personally, it's like, yeah, if you don't put a foot in front of me, you're going to end up on your butt and home walking in the dark. And he went on this two minute diatribe about one thing at a time. So he's although he wanted the hundred sacks, he's not thinking about the playoff game quite yet, even though the Chiefs are clearly going to make the playoffs. Yeah. We'll see about the AFC by. I think that's their next uh, yeah. mission here. But um, yeah. And anyway, congratulations, Carlos Dunlap. And I just wanted to point that out that I, I thought it was funny that he doesn't, he, he doesn't he's not like saying, no, I just care about the win. No, he really wanted the, the hundred sacks. Yeah, and, well, I think he did say that he he didn't want it more than winning, but of course, I, yeah, yeah, course. you got to say, but that. he didn't he didn't discount it like a lot of players would do. You're right. Another off the field thing: Juan Thornhill wore special cleats to honor the Virginia shooting victims. There were three Virginia football players that were tragically shot and killed. Thornhill had these custom cleats made, and then I actually saw further in this story. He was auctioning them off for the various GoFundMes that have been set up for the families of, of the shooting victims. And so really cool. Thornhill is a, a Virginia grad, of course. So you got to think that this story really hit home. We tried to talk to him about it last week, but I, I don't I don't think he wanted to really draw attention to himself. But I, I thought this was a really cool gesture that we saw on social media last night, John. Yeah, yeah, that's very that's very cool. Patrick Mahomes and the first place Chiefs refused to settle for a rebuilding year. That was another story we wrote up this week. And I, I just think that that's a nice way to put a bow on this week's Arrowhead Pride Editor show is we thought it might be a transition year and we thought the AFC West would be up for grabs. And it has been far from that in an NFL that really it's been tough to tell with all these random wins and losses around the mm-hmm. league. And I know the Chiefs yeah. had one against the Indianapolis Colts. They're not completely, I think, absent from that type of stunning sure loss. But still, for the most part, it's been hard to tell who's been actually good, actually elite, and not elite. And I, I think the Chiefs have been a constant there in, in the sense that that they, for the most part, especially recently, you know, you take that game away. And, and like, Chiefs fans would know this, but an NFL fan just looking at the schedule, in the Colts game, they had to make about 10 mistakes to lose that game. It wasn't mm-hmm. just yeah. playing poorly. It was dumb mistakes and a lot of them. And the Colts only won by three points, and it was miraculous, and it was just a terrible. I'm not a big beat-yourself guy, but Kansas City beat themselves in that game. They really did. And now they've rattled off four wins in a row and, and clearly, to me, look like the the best team in the league as far as consistency of, of being on that level. 
goes and kudos to them because i was included in that i i thought that this could be a rebuilding year where they try to get in as a wild card and see what happens in the tournament and they're going to win the division again and quite possibly win the afc buy-in have the afc playoffs run through our head again i, I know that there's a, a long time to go but i i just have a hard time seeing them and not at least being in that mix as we get to mm-hmm. the final stretch of the right. season no i agree and uh, and it is it is kind of amazing how mediocre the league has become this year. You know, that there's just a few teams that have done pretty well that are up there with the chiefs at, you know, someplace close to eight and two. And then a whole lot of teams that are, you know, mediocre or just below. And it's been very odd to watch this season. Um, And, and it's sort of, it makes me kind of wonder if, if part of what we said might have come true that the other AFC West teams are just going to beat up on each other yeah. <laughs> and uh, and leave the Chiefs all alone at the top. Maybe there's something to that. It's so hard to identify all the dynamics that are involved in something like that. Um, well, it's, but it gives us something to talk about. So, well, that, like for example, and, and this is a good good example of it. Yesterday, around the AFC West, you had the Broncos matched up with the Raiders, and if right. you're a Chiefs fan. What happens in, in that type of you always root for the team with the worst record so that it gives the better. And that's exactly what happened. The Raiders had a right. worst record. And now you get out of that game and both teams are three and seven burying each other. Like That's exactly what you want if you're Kansas City. <laughs> so, it's a good time to be a Chiefs fan. Good time to celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday. We will have shows going on this week. I think the schedule might be a little bit different. Steve has more on that. I'm sure he'll be figuring it out. But we enjoy every Arrowhead Pride editor's show. We wish our our listeners a happy Thanksgiving, right, John? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Get yourself some turkey and some beef wellington and some ham. And while you're at it, <laughs> leave us a rating and a review. We will read each and every rating review right here on the Arrowhead Pride editor's show. Subscribe on Apple iTunes. I think I've said everything. So for Steve Serta and John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride editor's show.